Stuff Podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Wright and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. This week's story is called The Short Game. It's by Stuff National Correspondent Steve Kilgallen, who joins me now. Hi, Steve. Hi, Michael. So, spoiler alert, this story is about the rise of mini-golf in New Zealand. Uh, how on earth did you find this story? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an older one, obviously. It's from about four years ago, although mini-golf is still a thing in New Zealand. If anybody's reading this and wants to uh, start playing, they can. Uh, one of the star characters in the story is a guy called Matt Ansley. Um, I'd known Matt for a while, and he's, he's quite an engaging character with some quite unusual hobbies. And he started posting on his Facebook page about mini golf. And at first I thought it was a joke, and then I soon realized it wasn't. And uh, I asked him to tell me more, and it sort of led me into this really cool little subculture. Um, and I like doing stories about unusual subcultures that people don't know much about, because you get really nice sort of microcosms of real life. And I hope... I've found that with this one, there's sort of passion and tension and arguments and people throwing clubs at each other and, well, threatening to. Um, and I just enjoyed that there was this little world with only about 15 people in it, but they all took it very, very seriously. And yeah, as you say, it is from the archives, uh, 2018, which I think is the oldest story we might have featured on the long read. Um, anyway, set the scene for us a bit more. Tell us how you captured this very, very niche world. Yeah, um, it, the story revolves around the national championships in 2018 on a mini golf course called the Enchanted Garden in Anihunga, which is uh, sort of West Auckland for people who don't live in Auckland. Um, it's actually a really nice mini golf course. I've played there a few times myself. Um, lots of traditional mini golf accoutrements like windmills and dragons and um, things like that. Um, and it it revolves around the sort of one of the last days of the, the tour that year and the sort of rivalry between two of the star players. Um, and yeah, and obviously since then, um, COVID's come along and they had a bit of a hiatus, but they are playing again. And uh, one of the outcomes of this story was that I uh, ended up going and playing in the national championships the year after in Hamilton, um, which was a lot of fun. I came second last. Um, the player who came last was my 11-year-old son. Um, but we turned up on the day and just played, and they'd all been there for five days practicing. So they'd all played about the, the course about 40 times before we got there and uh, played it cold. So that was, that was quite an entertaining experience. One of the players had come from Sweden on that day to play in it. Um, so they're just a really interesting cast of characters. Lovely people, all of them. I liked all of them. Um, but definitely an interesting bunch of people, and I hope that comes across in the story. Thanks, Steve. Now, here is Steve with a little strong language reading his story, The Short Game. Ollie Hicks always dreamed of representing New Zealand. Any sport didn't matter. He watched Michael Jones and Christian Cullen, Stacey Jones and Michael Campbell. He'd played a decent standard of cricket and rugby as a kid, but now he was 28 years old, not in great shape, working a busy job and living in Amsterdam far from the national selectorial eye. 
Then he saw a documentary in which Phil Keegan, the New Zealander who hosts the television show The Amazing Race, somehow decided to hit a golf ball across Scotland while wearing a kilt. And slowly he came up with an idea. Hicks would wear a black blazer with a silver fern. He would carry a New Zealand flag at an opening ceremony and perform a haka at a closing ceremony. He would get a world ranking. Ollie Hicks would play mini-golf for New Zealand. Windmills and clowns, dinosaurs and plaster dwarves, ice creams, beach towns, kids having meltdowns when they miss a shot. We have a shared collective memory of what mini-golf means, and it's not course notes and coaches, world championships and anti-doping policies. And yet competitive mini-golf isn't new or obscure. It's big in Europe and it's had a world championship for 33 years. We were just late to the party. And so Ollie Hicks found himself in a small lakeside city in southern Finland in 2015, learning that everything he thought he knew about mini-golf was completely wrong. Pasi Aho, the sport director for the World Mini-Golf Sport Federation, estimates there are 20,000 competitive players worldwide. In the 1960s and 70s, the sport was mainly concentrated in Germany, Sweden, Austria and Switzerland. But by the late 80s, it had spread across most of mainland Europe. Aho, who would reach a world ranking in the 30s, took it up as a teenager in Finland, playing on a course next to his local ice rink. The Federation is earnestly pursuing International Olympic Committee recognition as a real sport, but it's still run by volunteers and the world's best players are still playing for mere 500 euro payouts. There are so many new things youngsters can do, Aho says. It is hard to get them to play mini-golf competitively. But in New Zealand, never been a thing, until about six years ago. For Ollie Hicks, watching the Keegan documentary somehow begat the idea of running the length of the Netherlands, 10 marathons in 10 days, dressed in a morph suit, and this somehow begat the idea of forming a New Zealand mini-golf team. He discovered that the rights to form a New Zealand mini-golf federation sat dormant with New Zealand golf. He got as far as getting their blessing to form an organisation and exchanging paperwork with World Mini-Golf Federation boss Dr Gerhard Zimmermann. Four years passed. Then one day, in 2014, Hicks found himself chatting to a couple of Kiwis, Chris Service and Henry Stock, in an Amsterdam bar. His opening gambit was to suggest they form a New Zealand mini-golf team and go to the World Championships. The second thing I said, Hicks recalls, was, do you want to be my friends? We're all Kiwis living in Amsterdam. I kind of did things the other way around. Service and Stock were in. Hicks got some blazers made. He came up with a logo that he's rather proud of, a pecking kiwi, its proboscis morphing into a putter. And he entered a full team, six men, three women, in the 2015 World Mini Golf Championship in Lati, Finland. The New Zealanders were welcomed with enthusiasm. How shall I describe it, says Aho, who was tournament director. It was a great thing for everyone who was there to see a New Zealand team coming. For the Kiwis, it was a piss-up, wasn't it? Correct, says Hicks. Yes, agrees Aho carefully. It was for them, seriously, a big shock. 
They probably knew it was going to be different, but I don't know what exactly they would have expected. Hicks bore the New Zealand flag in a parade through the city before it all began. His team brought half a dozen spectators, which was unusual, who drank and cheered, which was also unusual, set against competitive mini-golf's funereal silence. We were basically the cool runnings of the event, Hicks says. Everyone loved us, says Lucy Geeson, who also signed on to the team after running to Hicks in a bar. No matter what, we had a smile on our face. The New Zealanders turned up two days before the start, bringing regular golf putters and no golf balls, assuming they'd just be given a ball at the start. First lesson. Most serious mini-golfers have their own carry bag full of balls of different sizes, weights and composition, often using a different one on each hole. Second lesson. Because some of those balls more closely resemble heavyweight squash balls than traditional golf balls, they use specialist rubber-faced putters. Third lesson. They turn up a week early to thoroughly learn the course, practicing eight hours a day and writing up course notes that plan their tee-off positions and what line they aim to hit the ball on. Also, while we're on the technical stuff, there are four types of mini-golf surfaces. Three of them are played on in Europe. They look like tiny putting greens and don't have obstacles and decorations. In New Zealand, we have the fourth variety, which uses artificial turf and as many windmills as you like. Imagine only ever playing hard-court tennis and then turning up at Wimbledon and realising it was played on grass. The New Zealanders were loaned some clubs. Danish player Vincent Hoos volunteered to coach them and got his national teammates to donate a bag of balls. It was a roaring success, says Hicks. We made the top ten. We should note here that there were ten competing nations. New Zealand was last in the men's and women's team event. They occupied the bottom three places in the individual women's event and all their men were likewise placed in the last ten ranking spots. Hicks considers the event a personal triumph. He hit a dozen or so holes in one and came home with a trophy. He's got it with him now. A small plastic cup, one arm broken. He dropped it in the car park on the way in to be interviewed for the story. It's the 2015 New Zealand Mini Golf Champion Trophy, which is odd, because there was no competitive mini golf in New Zealand back then. Turns out, with nine players in Finland, the Kiwis decided to aggregate their daily scores, and the best performed over the four days would be crowned the first New Zealand champion. After the third day, Hicks was running second to Andrew McCarthy. Only, McCarthy hadn't realised the tournament was a four-day event, and he had to fly home to Switzerland for work. Hicks grins. I played to the final whistle, he says. The biggest lesson for the Kiwis observing their rival teams with their official coaches, notebooks full of plans of how to play each hole, and those bulging bags of balls, was that mini-golf was considered worthy of serious study in Europe. Says Geeson, We said, why can't we do this in New Zealand? So far, so ironic. Now enter Bobby Hart. A sports-obsessed former plasterer 
Hart was the first to organise futsal, a small-sided version of football, in his native West Auckland. But he wasn't the first to do it in New Zealand, and he dearly wanted to be a trailblazer. A lot of sports you get involved in now, you're not involved from the start, Hart says. You're following the guidelines and the rules. You're not shaping it, moulding it. We can sit back at 70 and say, look at mini-golf now. We were the pioneers. Twelve months after their Finnish escapade, New Zealand mini-golf's key figures were still enjoying their OEs. So it was another all-expat team that was set to attend the World Adventure Golf Championships in Pristina, Kosovo. Only now they had a Facebook page and a website. And Hart had seen the website. And he thought, no fucking way, someone beat me to it. Still, he got in touch, said he had experience of building a sport and wanted to help. Four months later, he was on his way to Kosovo to meet Hicks, Geeson and some of their London mates. This time, Hicks had them practice a hacker and their own communal celebration for a hole-in-one, a staccato shout of, yeah boy. It's debatable then whether they were any better prepared than the previous outing. Future mini-black Matt Ansley, who didn't go on that trip, has heard how it played out. The guys from the UK were there for a party trip, really, he says. They had turned up for a laugh, whereas Bobby was straight down the line. Still is. Hicks, more diplomatic, says, Bobby was quite thorough and quite serious in his approach, and we picked up that he meant business. This was his passion, and he'd come to do a job. We picked up on that, and we realised we were also there to do a job for our country. What is apparent is that Hart worked hard, very hard, and soaked up every tip and trick he could from the other nations. The community is so good, he says. They will show you everything and say, then we will beat you. They don't want to hide anything. At the end of the tournament, he was New Zealand's highest ranked player in the world, at 274, a fact that appears prominently on his LinkedIn biography. By now, Hicks and Geeson were coming home, so they devised the inaugural New Zealand Mini Golf Open. Their combined marketing now attracted three television crews, some Chiefs rugby players and 46 entrants. An Australian, Alan Cox, who had been playing for 20 years, flew over to play and said it was the biggest turnout he'd ever seen at an event. And there was a grandstand finish. It was like Happy Gilmore, Hicks says, recalling the Adam Sandler golf movie. We had a playoff for the men's singles. Three TV crews on the 18th hole, about 60 people watching. It was unbelievable. The atmosphere was so tense. These were heady days. They ran a competition where the prize was a mini-golf date with Art Green, star of the first Bachelor TV series, who just happens to be Geeson's cousin, and his chosen date, Matilda Rice, at glamorous Sylvia Park mini-golf. Hicks's part in the story ends a few months later. Work was busy. His wife was no fan of mini-golf, 
She'd been to Kosovo with him. She knows the life of a wag, Hicks says. Found it quite boring at times. Eight hours a day at a mini-golf course in the sweltering heat. She was happy for me to pass the reins on. Lucy Geeson was also moving on to a new job in Sydney, where she set about getting an Australian federation formed. She's still the Oceania representative on the World Mini Golf Federation, a position she says her friends find endlessly hilarious. But among those to turn up at those first nationals were John and Faye Ansley and their son, Matt. They'd played as a family when Matt was a kid. It's not something you want to do as you get older, Matt Ansley says. But then when I heard there was a competition, I was straight in, changed my mindset completely. Matt Ansley knew about being competitive. His main hobby was competing in obstacle course racing, including the world's toughest mudder, where competitors run continuous laps of an eight-kilometre course in the Nevada desert for 24 hours. He brought the same determination to his mini-golf, creating a rivalry that now dominates the domestic scene. Hi, I'm Michael Wright, host of The Long Read. If you're an advertiser and you like what you're hearing, you could help us keep making podcasts like this one. Thousands of people listen to stuff podcasts every day. So if you'd like to be part of one of New Zealand's biggest and best podcast platforms, go to advertise.stuff.co.nz slash audio and get in touch with us. Back to the show. The best players in the country practice a lot. Most Fridays, the Ansleys make up a three ball at the Lilliput course on Tamaki Drive, gently sledging each other as they take two or three laps around the animatronic dinosaurs. We don't talk much when we're playing, says John, the reigning champion. When Matt's going bad, I know, and he knows. Bobby Hart, meanwhile, plays mainly at the Enchanted Garden course in Onihonga. It's a good little course, he says. This is where I trained for months on my own before Kosovo. Six hours a day, four days a week. He holds the course record. Twice. 33 is the official best. His unofficial record is 30. He was so excited, he left without getting his card signed. On the day we meet, Hart is hitting solo. His only company is the course owner, Darrell Prout, until his mate Matt Maguire turns up. Maguire trails a few holes behind, occasionally whooping out loud. He judges his opening round a blinder and treats himself to a celebratory Rocky Road ice cream. It's an illustration of why they bother. The mix of schoolboy maths, nerve and repetition that delivers the perfect way to play a hole takes practice. In Maguire's case, he's finally aced the third hole for the first time. I've been thinking about this hole, he says. I hate to say it. When I'm lying in bed, should be sleeping. He's not staying as long as Hart. He has to take his ten-year-old son Ryan, the youngest player on the domestic circuit, to football practice. There is life outside mini-golf, he says. The perspex window of the course office flies open and Prout's head emerges. Where? he bellows. Hart studies mini-golf, 
it's led him to reject the standard way to putt. Instead, he drops his hips backwards, squats, then cradles his club gently in his hands at an angle almost like an ice hockey goaltender. He says it lowers his centre of gravity and turns his putter into a pendulum. He implies that this might be one of the many lessons he learned from the Europeans. Hmm, says the World Federation's Passi Aho. It's rather unconventional. I am not saying it is not working. Everyone has so many different ways. Hardly any one of the top players is using this playing technique. I would say Bobby's technique is a very unusual one. Hart has a specialist rubber-faced putter. Matt Ansley has a $40 putter from Rebel Sport. Hart has his own carry bag of balls, a rainbow of different sizes and weights. Ansley tends to use whatever ball he gets given at the course kiosk. This he does deliberately, he admits, because he knows it will annoy Hart if he beats him with any old ball. Hart talks about setting up clubs at every course, about trying to persuade people to build competition-quality European-style courses, starting a junior programme, maybe getting on TV. He says he's going to send a message to rich lister Craig Heatley. And I want to talk to Graham Hart. You've got to go where the money is, and they're both golfers. He hopes he's got a foot in the door with Graham Hart. No relation, by the way. He did some of the plastering on the billionaire's home renovations. Bobby Hart has sold sponsorships all over the Kiwi team shirt, to his garage, to his own mini-golf business, which imports specialist clubs and balls, anticipating a mini-golf revolution. You want to be the original guy, he says. But right now, Hart is under pressure. The New Zealand domestic season is a long one, Stretching throughout the year, it loops around the North Island, one tournament a month. In 2017, Matt Ansley won most events, but Father John won the series through his consistency. Hart was third. There are about 15 regulars. The big carrot is the top four get first refusal on a spot, self-funded, in the World Championships team. They've been gradually improving on the world stage. In 2017, they weren't last. Lucy Geeson had also brought along a novice Australian team, so they were. And Kiwi Cam Cooper did enough to catch the eye of Passiaho, who rated him potentially world-class. They've taken some big steps in a short time, says Aho. The road is still long, but they've taken the right approach. In 2018... The Ansleys joined Cooper and Hart in the Czech Republic. Like those who had gone before, Matt Ansley was stunned by the steely focus of his opponents. He completed his anti-doping declaration, watched a Swede hold a towel over a teammate's special glass ball so it didn't burn the turf, heard stories of the Germans lying down beside a hole to form a human windbreak. Cam Cooper says... We could climb the ladder quite quickly once we get a few more people up to speed. He says the Brits have been going eight years and they're already on par. Hart really, really wants to go back again. 
but he coaches a soccer team and fixture clashes kept him out of the first two tournaments of the 2018 season. For the third, in Hamilton, he went down a day early and practised eight hours solid. He won. It put him back in contention, but still a fair way behind. The next event will be crucial. When we next return to the Secret Garden mini golf course in Onihunga, it's an unseasonably sunny Saturday in winter. It's noisy and busy. I'm taken aback. It seems as if round six of the Cromax NZ Mini Golf Pro Open Championship has drawn an unusually big turnout. Actually, there are only 12 entrants. The others are all smiling, laughing families enjoying an afternoon out, unaware there is a national event playing out next to them. A mini golf course can be lucrative business. It creates unique tension. While a golf course owner is likely to have some love of golf, a mini golf course owner is more likely to be an astute entrepreneur with the 400 grand spare to build one. Prout, however, runs the Enchanted Garden because it doesn't feel like a real job and he likes making people happy. He never expected anyone would take it seriously. I get thousands through here and only 1% are slightly serious about it, he says. Could it take off as a sport? Hmm, he says. I think it will always be a niche. I think so. Why so few players in the tournament? It's a nice day, so... says Matt Ansley with a shrug and a look to the skies. Even Cam Cooper, the current president of New Zealand Mini Golf, isn't here. He's selling his car today and the bloke buying it could only turn up at 12. A week or so later, he will resign the presidency, citing lack of time. But Bobby Hart is here, wearing his treasured Ghana mini-golf polo shirt, a swap he secured amid many competing offers at the last World Champs. Barcelona FC football shorts, knee-length striped red, yellow and green socks, and asymmetric pink and yellow trainers. It's an ideal chance for him to climb the leaderboard, especially as Matt Ansley is crook. Ansley is playing, but speaking in a croak. Hart is tense, but he's also encouraging the other players. On the tenth hole, overseen by an orange plaster dragon, Ansley's ball rolls around the hole, back out, and then down into a dip. Hart explains what happened to Matt Maguire. Did he cry? asked Maguire. I would have, Hart replies. But today, Ansley is having all of the luck, and Hart none of it. You can tell when Bobby is going well because he goes all quiet, Ansley confides. Hart is not being quiet. You can hear him three holes away. Defending national champ John Ansley isn't having a good day either, but he's taking it equably. After one round, serious, quiet Murray Cramp, playing on his home course, has a two-shot lead on Matt Ansley. Matt congratulates him. It's a long way to go, he says, but thanks. Hart is a further five shots down. They all break to record their scores on a whiteboard and fuel up. The Ansleys have a chilli bin full of homemade sandwiches. Matt McGuire has a two-litre bottle of orange fizz and a takeaway pizza from Domino's across the road. Hart is in a three-ball with James McCarthy and the always enthusiastic McGuire. None are going well. All right, guys, says McCarthy as they head out for round two. Let's sort this shit out. 
but round two starts badly. What's happening, mate? Maguire asks Hart. Hart replies, This ain't practice, mate. That's what's happening. A couple of holes later, Hart misses a putt. It's all over, but that's all right, he says philosophically. Matt Ansley then hits four aces in five holes. He's on, shouts his playing partner, Sonny Nataniello. The alluring smell of the barbecue at the Trident Tavern drifts over the back fence. The 16th is a nightmare hole, dropping sharply towards the whiff of frying steak. Hart's putt lips out on him and rolls away into the gutter. You're joking, bellows Maguire. Cramp hits a 34, Matt Ansley a 35. Cramp, stern-faced, almost immediately wants to start round three. Every shot counts, he tells Matt. The focus you need is incredible. I'm trying to really get into the zone. I know what it's like now. It's flipping difficult. It's getting colder now. Hart puts on his New Zealand mini-golf reps jacket for round three. I sidle off home. As Ollie Hicks's wife would attest, there's only so much mini-golf you can watch. Afterwards, I hear that Cramp held his nerve, his place in the zone, and the lead, to win by two strokes from Matt Ansley, his first ever tournament win, and Hart combusted, throwing his club and some F-bombs. The next day, Hart posts a solemn statement on the Federation's Facebook page, resigning from the tour to pursue the lucrative World Masters of Putting series in Las Vegas. Look, he writes, a Kiwi can fly. Then he turns up to the next event anyway and allegedly tells Cramp he's going to wrap a putter around his head. He gets a warning letter from the Federation. Are they the pioneers? In 50 years' time, will the names Hicks, Geeson, Hart and Ansley be in a hall of fame, the revered legends who brought mini-golf to the masses? Or is it a niche occupied by those with skins thick enough to laugh off the mockery? You say competitive mini-golf and people laugh in your face, says Matt Ansley. And we completely understand that. Who would embarrass themselves enough to do that? It's a slow build says Geeson. It's changing people's perspective that mini-golf is just for kids, and that's something that will take time. What they all agree on is that mini-golf, done properly, is a serious pursuit. You need to be able to read the slope, calculate angles and rebounds, keep a cool head, and stay focused. But it's also entirely democratic when it comes to age, sex and size. It's actually bloody hard to play four rounds of mini-golf in one day, declares Ollie Hicks. It's mentally hard, it's physically hard. But he's got a sales pitch for anybody tempted. You can potentially be New Zealand mini-golf champion like me. Be in the world top 500, like me. Be president, like me. That was The Short Game on The Long Read from Stuff, written and read by Steve Kilgallen and produced by me, Michael Wright. 
This episode was edited by Sam Scannell. Stuff's podcast director is Adam Dudding. If you listened via our website, you can hear this story and more like it on the Long Read podcast, available on all the usual platforms. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps other listeners find us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.